Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me, as always, is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Joey. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little wet because it's been raining outside and I just got back in from grocery shopping, but otherwise good. <laughs> okay. So it's not raining inside. So when you say you're wet, it's yeah. residual, residual rain. Yes. Residual <laughs> wetness. Yes. And, and you know, uh, just for the listeners to knock down the wall a little bit, because that's what we like to do. They might hear a little bit of that rain coming through in this podcast recording. <laughs> I just decided to start pouring. So... <laughs> So we've got a fun episode today. It's sort of the the making of a legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we promised Kathy we would not videotape this one, and I'm really sorry we're not because that face that she made when we <laughs> when Joey said that was classic. <laughs> She's like, really. <laughs> so we're welcoming Kathy back to Spirit Trip. Hey, Kathy. Hi, how you doing, Joey? Good, good to see you. Good to see you too. So we're we're going to tell the story about your journey that brought you to where you are today. So where do we begin? Probably the the thing that sticks in my memory the most is the first time I ever encountered anything magical. I had moved to a new city and I had made some new friends and been introduced to the gentleman who turned out to be ultimately my shaman and who did my initial training. But I didn't know that at the time. And he said, here, I want to show you something at his house. And we went upstairs and he opened the door to this room that turned out to be his sacred temple space. And I stood at the edge of the doorway 
And I backed up all the way across the hall into the room on the other side and said, close that door. (laughs) I don't know what's in there, but I'm not going in there. Um, Because whatever it was, I could feel its potential. And at some level, I knew I would never be the same. And when was that? How old were you when that happened? I was um, 33. Okay. Oh, what an interesting number. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus age. Yep. I was 33. And I got to know him pretty well and started to um, like and respect him. And he, he, so we went to the point where the next thing that happened was he invited me to my first um, pagan festival. Okay. And it was um, out in the woods, of course, like many of them are. And it rained a lot, similarly to the way <laughs> it's raining today. And I'm thinking okay, I don't really know what's going on around here, but I don't want to be judgmental. You know, I don't like being judgmental. So I will suspend disbelief, right? I'm really not certain I can believe in all this, but I will suspend disbelief and see what happens. And um, I'm standing at the edge of their their sacred, they're doing a sacred ride around a a big bonfire in the middle of the night. And I'm standing outside of it because I don't really tweak to a clue of what's going on. But I'm looking at the fire and I'm like, okay, I'm not, I haven't been drinking I have no alternative substances in my bloodstream. I had a decent dinner, so this isn't low sugar. And there's a dragon in the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And I can see it. And I'm not hallucinating. I know I'm not hallucinating. So, hmm, maybe there really is something to this. And that sort of opened the doorway. And that, that process of suspending disbelief really sort of opened the doorway to everything that came after that. Part of what came after that was... um. Oh, it's like, oh, these events are, you know, if there's going to be dragons in the fire, maybe let's go do some more. <laughs> so there was a year where the guy who turned out to be my shaman and I went to 19 in one year, 19 different pagan festivals, 19, because we were looking for the event, right? The, the one that had good magic and it had good people and it had a great space to hold it in. And it was just the event, right? You know, good, solid transformational work. And um, 19 different events, and they were all wonderful in their own way, but none of them were what we were looking for. And after a year of that, we sat down and said, hmm, maybe we need to start making our own. And so that was one of the first paths forward into doing transformational work for me. And in the meantime, while we were running around the 19 different festivals, I started studying with him a particular path of shamanic transformation work that started out with just getting still. You know, the modern life is so busy and so hectic and so noisy and, you know, it's so much going on. And the, the first practice was just stillness, you know, just coming back to center. Not not really meditation in the same way. Stillness is, is an active. I mean, it, it sounds strange, but it's a it's not meditation. It's it's just being still, being present without being pulled off into a thousand different things. Lots of times I equate it to sitting in the eye of a hurricane. Okay. You know, that, that life is the hurricane that spins around you like crazy. And that when you reach out into the walls of the hurricane, you get beat up by stuff sometimes. But when you sit stillness, you sit in the eye and it's calm and it's sunny and you're present and you can pay attention to the hurricane or not, but you are just still. And so that was where it started. 19 festivals in a year. That's, that's a, a significant investment of time. And yep. it was from there you should have jumped off and said, okay, nobody's doing what we really want. 
But at that stage, you had plenty of material to sort of pick and choose the bits and pieces that you liked. What came yep. from that? Before we go to what came after that, ask Kathy what she did for a living at the time that this was happening. Well, I think you were just asked, Kathy. What were you doing for a yes, living? Yes, I was just asked that. <laughs> um, I was the controller of the United States for a Fortune 500 company. Oh. I had 122 employees. And I was also in charge of global um, policy and procedures and budgeting. <laughs> Kathy's got a CPA license and she's Sarbanes-Oxley certified. And, you know, she's badass in multiple places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I had to go with the suspending of disbelief. I was just going to say. I came out of a very, very different world. That's so. a super, super, super jump, even yeah. to be able to suspend disbelief to go from that sort of a, a heavily uh, structured corporate setting to something like, like that lifestyle uh, in 19 pagan festivals. That's a massive shift. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a very fun th thing that happened. I got to know um, the the COO, the chief operating officer really well. And as I was progressing into the whole, this, um, this whole process, he was, uh, complaining about his teenage son and, you know, about how he was, you know, ah, oh, somebody would just take him off my hands for a while. And I said, well, I'm headed off to one of my camping events, which was a festival. <laughs> I said, uh, and of course I didn't talk about this in the corporate world because I would have been completely shot. Um, it, in, in that organization at that time, they were not exactly avant-garde of, of, you know, open-minded thinking. Um, and, uh, in fact, when the wall came down, one of the, the chief leaders said, isn't it great that the walls come down in Germany because now Billy Graham can go over and save those people. It was not exactly a, a, a friendly environment for this type of thing, but this guy was, was reasonably open-minded and I liked him. So I told him. I said, well, I'll take him off your hands for the weekend. He'll be perfectly safe. But you got to be okay with him maybe dancing naked around a fire all night. <laughs> <laughs> There's and nothing he creepy. And he he, he kind of get this strange look on his face and he went, uh, never mind. <laughs> and, you know, he never complained to me about his son again. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can blame him for the never mind in that case, Kathy. <laughs> If somebody, yeah. if somebody offered <laughs> to take my uh, take my kid camping for the weekend and then said, oh, but you have to be okay with them dancing naked around a fire, I, I'd say I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I promised him he'd be fine. You know, oh, I mean, oh, there there's nothing go. bad going to happen to him. <laughs> there you go. It was just, you know, every teenager needs a chance to rebel. And, and what a wonderful way to do so that doesn't hurt anybody. Right. <laughs> you know? So. And, you know, he wouldn't be the only one dancing naked around the fire at no. a festival, you know. No. That's right. No. Okay. So, so, totally normal in that environment. Right. <laughs> yep. So after the 19 in a, a year, what did you sort of take from that and where did you bring it? One of the things we wanted that some of the events had was really powerful transformational ritual. Okay. And so that was one of the components we wanted. Some of the events had really beautiful locations. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ritual was kind of eh, but the locations were stunning. Yeah. Some of them had really excellent people who couldn't do good ritual simply because I, I, I think they were well-intentioned. They just didn't really understand the parameters of, well, let's put it this way. They weren't doing transformational ritual. I shouldn't say they weren't doing good ritual. They mm -hmm. weren't doing transformational ritual. And we wanted transformational ritual. Right. 
And we even looked at things like food, because when people are doing profoundly transformational work, you have to feed them well. Right. You can't feed them junk. You have to feed them well so that their bodies are well nourished while they're undergoing these powerful transformational processes. So those were all components of what we started putting together. And we went looking for a site. And then we started the, the very first um, ritual we put together. We worked with a couple other people. Turned out at that point in time, we tried three days. We tried Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And um, that was a little too compressed okay. in terms of time. We kept expanding it. We got out to six days, and that was too long. So we ended up at a, at a, we ended up at a five-day event as coming in on like a Wednesday and leaving on a Saturday. Or excuse me, leaving on a Sunday for our timing. And another thing we looked at was we always wanted a community celebrational process. So um, we used to open with something we called a bardic circle, which was everybody sort of sharing their talents. And I mean, they, they did everything from sing songs and do skits to show their knitting or the quilt they were working on or whatever. You know, it was it was a community sharing of creativity which was wonderful, except that then that meant that the primary rituals, which we always did in two parts, happened on Friday night and Saturday night. And on Sunday morning, nobody wanted to go home because they were all still wrapped up in that, that transformational energy. And so by sheer accident, one of the locations we were at um, wanted to use part of the campground on a Saturday night. So we said, okay, well, we don't want to be doing ritual when you're doing ritual. So we'll move our bardic circle to Saturday night and do our rituals on Thursday night and Friday night, so that on Saturday we're doing the bardic instead of the other way around. And it was sheer accident, but it turned out to be brilliant because with the rituals being Thursday night and Friday night, they had Saturday to kind of debrief and take some time off. And then the community sharing and, and joy and creative expression on Saturday night. And by Sunday morning, everybody's ready to close and go home. And we're going, woof. That was awesome. <laughs> so part of it we put together from our experience of the 19 gatherings, and part of it was our own experiential process as we went through designing these events, because we, we did this event, we did an event every year for 18 years, actually 19. The first one we fried ourselves on, that was a different issue. But we, we put this together and it evolved over time to, to really an optimal format for creating a profoundly transformational experience around the content we were working with. And you ultimately went back and got your PhD. Yes, um, I did go back and get my PhD when I was looking at, okay, I'm tired of corporate America and I don't know what I wanna do now. And I, was, I wanted to change organizations because I didn't find them for the most part to be really good places to be. So I was looking at organizational work and I kept every question I ask, of course, a PhD, when you ask a research question, it has to be a question that's never been asked before, because you have to contribute to the body of knowledge with your research. And um, everything I asked had already been asked and answered. I'm like, okay, this is really annoying. So I needed to come at it from a different way. And I said, well, I'm studying transformation, and organizations don't change, people do. So what I started tracking through was, okay, I started with organizational change, which, okay, that led me to people change, which led me to psychology and psychotherapy. And then in psychology and psychotherapy, they talk about the shaman effect and the power of positive ritual. And I went, hey, wait a minute, I know something about that. So then I tracked from that into theater anthropology, which is if you want to study ritual in an academic sense, you have to study theater anthropology because that's where it shows up. 
And then I went, oh, I bet you I can bridge this into Western esoteric studies, which is where you get to study Western paganism, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole thing bridged into this massive study of what makes a transformational experience. And then I took the event that we had created from the model distilled out of the literature, and I compared the two things, and I went, hey, that's why it works, <laughs> because <laughs> the model that comes out of the literature is exactly the model that we, over time, evolved into making this happen. And then I took one of the events that we'd done, and I did a two-year longitudinal study on the people who went through it to see what they reported qualitatively about what has changed in their life. And it was profound. It was physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental changes all across the board. People did huge things with their lives, important things to them after that experience. So it's kind of like, okay, we've been doing this for a long time, and now I have some arm's length information that says it actually does work. We always thought it did, right. but you know, you're, you're kind of guessing, and now we had some proof. So it was awesome. And it resulted in a PhD. Yay. <laughs> so I am I am officially Dr. Kathy, although I don't usually say that because then people think you're a P, you're a, not MD. a PhD, but a medical doctor. Yeah. So um, but I do have a doctorate in the dynamics of transformation. The interesting thing about all these rituals that Kathy and her team uh, that she worked with uh, developed over these 19 years is that there is an amorphic field for each of these rituals that exists still. And we found this out when Kathy and I decided to run a version of one of the rituals that this team had done and to do it just in a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday structure. And the original one had been that Wednesday to Sunday. So we, we compressed it again. That event was called Lumen's Gate and we ran what we referred to colloquially as Lumen's Gate Light, um, or you know, Mini Lumen's Gate, uh, Mini Lumen's Gate, because it wasn't light, mini, lo mini Lumen's Gate. But what was really funny is when we were designing it, I had not actually attended that Lumen's Gate. And so as we were designing it uh, and, and trying to put it all together, I said, oh, yeah, and we need these headbands, and they need to have skulls stamped on them. And Kathy's like, oh, yeah, you're tapped into the morphic field because that's exactly what we had. <laughs> and the energetics still exist. And I just tapped right back into them when, when we were doing the design. So it was really cool. But Kathy, before we get too far afield, because you know what I was just talking about was much further along, you also were part of the creation of a magazine that was the premier magical magazine of its day. Tell yes. us about that. Again, it was part of this whole other side of my life that I was, because when I was doing all this, doing the events and completing my shaman training and training other people and the magazine was happening, this was all happening while I was still living and working in corporate America. So it was kind of like the two halves of my brain were, were being massively stimulated, but not connected. Just for the listener's benefit, give us a time frame on this so that they know what years we're talking about. I met... The shaman that I studied with in 1988, and we did, that was late 88, and we did the year of 19 events in 1989. And that was also the first year we decided to publish the magazine, because the shaman had published magazines before and liked the publishing work and felt that, again, the quality of what was out there at that time was fairly basic. And he wanted to do some things that he felt were more substantive in terms of topics 
to address in the magical community. So we started late in 89, I think the first issue, we got contracted to publish something for somebody else uh, for Samhain of 1989. And then that didn't work out so well because um, there was miscommunications between the guy who contracted us and what we were doing. So in 1990, we started doing our own thing. And it was published four times a year on the cross quarters. And we did it for six plus years. I think 1997 was the last issue or 1998, somewhere in there. So the cross quarters are the timeframes that happen in between the equinoxes and the solstices. Each one of those timeframes then has a name. And usually some of them have several names, depending on whether you're using the old um, pagan languages or whether you're using some of the names that got sort of not only anglicized, but Christianized. So for example, the first cross quarter is, um, can be Candlemas or Imbolc. Imbolc is the older language, Candlemas is the more Christianized one. Um, and that's the cross quarter that happens between the winter solstice, which is the end of December, and the spring equinox. So that one happens the beginning of February, am I remembering it's that right? That sounds about right, yeah. February 2nd, yeah. Yeah, February 2nd is in bulk. And then the next one happens between the spring equinox and the summer solstice, which is around the 1st of May. And that's um, Beltane, another name for it is Valpurgisnacht. Didn't know I, that one, did you? I did not know that one. <laughs> I yes. don't think I know that one still. Gesundheit. <laughs> but yes, Valpurgisnacht is another one. Um, those are the two most commonly referred to names for Beltane. Beltane has come into more common usage now, but back when I was originally working on that, when I was learning it, those two words were relatively interchangeable. And then between the summer solstice and the the fall equinox, which would be Early the August. about the 1st of August. Yeah. Those another two names, Lamas and Lunasa. So again, two names for the same thing. And Lunasa, and then, if you um, see it written, looks like Lugasna. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> Lugasna, but it's yeah. Lunasa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then between the fall equinox and the winter solstice, and that runs right around Halloween, the 1st of November, and that's Samhain. And it looks like Samhain, yeah. but it's pronounced Samhain. And um, I'm not certain I know a second name for Samhain. That one I only ever learned is Samhain. They've now spelled it in both ways. So it's S-A-M-H-A-I-N and S-A-W-A-I-N, and it's they're both pronounced Samhain. So, yeah. yeah. So all the rest of them had two names, but that one... I never learned a second name for it, so. one name, two spellings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Those are the cross quarters. So we published the magazine on the cross quarters. Um, we called it Meslim. The idea being that there's a word in Hebrew called Mesla and Mesla is the spark of the divine coming down and igniting the spirit of the people. Our premise was that there wasn't a singular spark of the divine, that the divine sparks were multiple and that um, they manifested in many different ways in, with different people. And so we created a word, which was based on Mesla. And in Hebrew, the, um, plural, the neutral pluralization is im. So we took mez, meslim and put it together and basically explained it in every issue, which is not a good marketing plan to create a name that nobody understands <laughs> and that you have to explain in every issue. So there's a reason why the magazine didn't last <laughs> forever, but it was all about the multiplicity of sparks and the validation of that. And the first few issues, again, like, the, like we did with the event, um, we were trying to find our sea legs, you know, figure out 
what kind of writers we wanted and what kind of topics we wanted. And after about, you know, three, four issues of that, we finally found our stride and we started theming the issues. So we did a student teacher issue. We did children in the magical community. We did death and transformation. We did bridging the gap between the magical and the mundane. We did the use of sacrament in the community. We did um, sacred dance. Um, we did an issue on the sacred fool. So there, there was a lot of different issues over time. And I think the last one we did, because we knew it was going to be our last one, was called Into the Underworld, because we, we knew we were, you know, we had manifested and we were then going back into the underworld. So no more manifestation of the magazine. But for many, many years, it was considered the premier magazine of its time. I was getting orders from, you know, Wiser and other places to send them full collections that they, they would then sell to people as as almost like reference. There was even an issue on uh, pagan gatherings and how etiquette for pagan gatherings and what to expect and things along that line. So we were really trying to be mindful and to be helpful to people who were looking for solid information about how to be in the space and how to be in, in transformational work and um, make it work for themselves. So we just took a break from, uh, from recording because I realized that you guys are probably sitting out there. I'm tapped into your energy as we're talking and you guys are going, I want a copy of that. I want a copy of that. I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me talk to Kathy and see if we can get you guys a copy of that. So what we've, Kathy and I had talked in advance of this episode and Kathy's going to give a bonus for anyone who joins the Patreon site and that's at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Sparta. You're going to get one, one issue of Meslim as a thank you for joining that site. And that issue is bridging the gap between the magical and the mundane. Yes. Yes, And it's a PDF. And it's a PDF. Yes. These are all PDFs that we're referencing. The, the, the physical copies have long since been distributed, but the content is still amazing. So amazing. In fact, that we actually use it in our ritualist training program. So I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to have that. And I just talked to Kathy about it and she has very generously said that she will make that available to you in PDFs for all of the issues and that's going to be for $49. And so we will include the link for that in the show notes because we literally do not have it set up because we literally just had the conversation. <laughs> and so check your show notes if you want a copy of all of the issues of this via PDF. And there will be a link there for you to be able to buy those. Awesome. And also, if you have any questions or anything about what you've heard here today, as usual, you can email kelly at kelly at kellysparta.com that's a lot of kelly ats i put in there so that's k-e-l-l-e at kellysparta.com you can you can email her there if you've got any questions or thoughts about episodes that you might want to hear kathy how can people reach out to you if they want to reach out to you and ask you a question or maybe they have some thoughts after they read through their their newly purchased pdfs of the magazine probably the best way to get me is um by email Okay. Because I keep pretty close track of my email. And um, my email is Kathy, which is K-A-T-H-Y dot. And then my last name, which unfortunately is not easy to spell. Um, S-C-H-E-I-E-R-N at gmail.com. So um, as a mnemonic, I basically say S-C-H is the way 
all good German last names start. And I'm a farmer's daughter. And many people know the old McDonald's had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And so old McDonald's is so old, he now needs a nurse. So it is um, old McDonald's needs a nurse, E-I-E-R-N is how you spell my last name. So Kathy dot Shiren, S-C-H-E-I-E-R-N at gmail.com. That is amazing. And I will never forget how to spell your name now. <laughs> I use works. it. Yep. It is I a use it wonderfully, wonderfully effective tool right there. <laughs> all right. And uh, also, folks, if you are enjoying what's happening here on Spirit Sherpa, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast on any of the podcast listening platforms that you may be catching us out there. And as Kelly mentioned, there's a Patreon site where you can get some additional content. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. Hopefully by now you've gone to check it out uh, to see what's available there for you. Uh, there's some really cool stuff if you want to support what Kelly is doing here. We're about to continue recording. Uh, once this, this episode is officially complete, we will be recording some bonus content with Kathy on the story of how she fried herself on the first event that they did. Uh, we're going to talk about that and why Kathy's dissertation committee quit twice before she could actually graduate. We'll talk about that. So we'll get some good stories out of Kathy. The good news is I've known her a long time and I know where the skeletons, skeletons are buried. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be some great bonus content on the Patreon site. And I just want to mention one thing because uh, we are coming up on in early September, we are going to be running Claim Your Gifts. So if you missed it in Boston, we're going to be running it in Falls Church, Virginia. There will be a page up on the website to give you a link to that. If you go to the events section and go to Claim Your Gifts, you will see the, the registration information for that as well. So if you got super excited about Kathy talking about the process, then we're using that structure to run this event as well. All right. Is there anything either of you would like to say to sort of wrap up the episode? Come back for the after party. <laughs> All right. That's all that we have for this week, folks, but be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your beginner's guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Kathy Shy E-I-E-I-R-N, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Got too many E-I-E-R-N's in there, Joey. <laughs> it's E-I-E-R-N. I am leaving that in. <laughs> Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at KellySparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to KellySparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing? But you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since 
you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.